I'm so sorry. I had I'd been muted. That's my bad. So those of you who are on online, you can either send your questions on the chat that's there, or every so often I'll try and remember to ask for questions uh, or somehow get them to Dory, and, and uh, hopefully she can pass them on to me. Uh, same goes for all of you who are here in person. Uh, if if you we have questions that have been sent in, they're really good questions, questions that have been sent in. So we're going to focus on those. But if you have follow up questions, don't be shy about asking them because uh, guaranteed somebody else has that question. So you're helping somebody else out when you ask it. So uh, let's start with uh, uh, a prayer. Okay. So the Lord be with you. Let's pray. Father God, we consecrate this time to you for your purposes. God, we want to know you, know you. We want to know you, Lord. Know your ways, what you ask of us. And and so, Father, reveal that. I, I know your presence is with us. Reveal those things to us. Help us to uh, gain wisdom from what you've provided us in the scriptures. And Lord, may it serve to draw us deeper in with you, closer to Jesus and more mindful of how you've put things together for us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Uh, hopefully those of you who are online can come see over my shoulder and see the screen there. Everything here is is going to be live streamed, and you can find it on our webpage even after tonight. So this is the second night that we've gotten together to talk about biblical answers to political questions, you know, where faith and politics kind of uh, have that crossroads. So I'm just going to dive in with the first one. Uh, so, again... Very good questions came in this week. Some of them played off of questions we had last week. Uh, So shouldn't the policies and values in each platform be primary in choosing a candidate to vote for? In voting for a candidate or a platform that's in favor of, and this this person put in some certain sins, but I, I just kind of generalize it, of various sinful, ungodly positions. If we vote for a candidate whose platform is in favor of sinful, ungodly positions, are we guilty of that sin we're voting for? And will we be held accountable? A great question. Wow, really good. So two questions uh, are the policies primary, policies and values, and then what happens if we Vote for sinful positions. Okay. Um, Well, first of all, the the platforms, just in case that's an unfamiliar term, platforms are where each party has written out the goals that their political party has for the country and the plans that they have to reach those goals. This stuff is in writing. You can look it up. You can Google Democratic Platform, Republican Platform. Uh, Green Party, platform, you, you know, whatever it is. You can look up the platforms and see what they say. They're thick, let me warn you, but it's important to be familiar with them. 
because each candidate that you vote for is also a vote for that candidate's party platform. Each candidate is expected to work toward their party's platform. Now, where does this intersect with Christians? Well, first of all, the primary thing that we as Christians have to remember is much greater than whether or not we're Republican or Democrat is that we are part of God's kingdom. God's kingdom is bigger than the United States. God's kingdom is bigger than Israel, Africa, Democrats, Republicans, Trump, Biden. God's kingdom is the primary one. That's what we should be the most concerned about. More than we belong to a political party, we belong as Christians to him and his ways. And we're honor-bound to discover and support his plans and his purposes. And why wouldn't we want to do that? I mean, he's good. Every He knows how we're made. He's the one that made us. He knows how we put things together. He knows the best things. He, he loves everybody. He sent Jesus to the whole world to give us the means to come to know him intimately. Why wouldn't we want his ways? Right? Now, his ways and ours aren't always the same thing. He, he said through Isaiah, uh, I, he said, Isaiah, tell, the, tell everybody this. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So it's like, okay, well, Lord, what are your thoughts? Help us to understand you. And he does that. He's revealed mostly through Jesus. Jesus is kind of his final word on everything. You know, get to know Jesus and we get to know this. Uh, the best thing when it comes to voting for a party is to vote for the party whose platform matches God's ways. Now, which one is that? Neither one completely. Right? Neither one completely. Both parties have some right and some wrong. Maybe it's a lot right and a little wrong. Maybe it's a little right and a lot wrong. But it's a mix, and there's no easy answer to give you. You've got to dive into this stuff. You're accountable for it. If you're going to cast your vote, you're accountable for what that vote means. Um, Our job as citizens of heaven, even more than as citizens of the United States, is to figure out how our votes will best support the kingdom of God. So when it, when it comes to the question of do we share in the sin of the party we vote for, that's not a, it's not a clear-cut answer either. In a way, yes, especially if we're knowingly voting because we're supporting something we know God is against. We're going to be held accountable for that. Right. If we know God is against murder and there's a political party that says we want to murder everybody and we vote for them because we're like, that's a great idea. Do you think God is going to not hold us accountable? Of course, he's going to hold us accountable. He wouldn't be a God worth worshiping if he didn't. Right. 
So in a way, yes, we do share in that sin. If we vote for a candidate that leans toward this, we vote for a candidate. And candidates lean toward their party platform. And where their party platform leans toward sin, they likely lean toward sin. Where the party platform lean, leans t- toward good godly things, they likely lean toward that too. And we help that person get into office, so we're culpable for that to some degree. I also believe there's grace from heaven because God knows neither one of these candidates is Jesus in the flesh, are they? God knows that we have limitations. God knows that we don't get all of it right. To not vote when you're eligible to vote, I, I I, I think we have a responsibility to vote. It's, it would be to ignore the mandate that God has given us to rule over the world on his behalf until Jesus comes back. And if we just abdicate that, then we deserve whatever comes our way. So we've got to vote for the best candidate and the best platform that we can, knowing that neither one is perfect. There is no political party that is just like the kingdom of heaven. So we've got to do our best. We have to make our choices. There are good points and bad points about each one. But, and, and, but God knows our hearts. There's grace in the fact that God knows our hearts. Um. God says things like, uh, those who knowingly do wrong get rebuked and punished. Those who do wrong but they didn't realize it was wrong, they'll still get punished but not as bad. God knows our hearts, right? Uh, In fact, the Lord doesn't see things the way we see them. People judge by outward appearance. God looks at our hearts, If we knowingly, willingly vote to support positions we know God opposes, he knows. He knows what's in our hearts. He knows. We can't hide it from him. We can't, you know, dress it up and make it prettier. You know, oh, well, I was voting for them because, you know, look, look at the good. You know, no, God's like, come on, be real. I know why you voted for him. I know. I see your heart. But neither party is totally right. Neither one is totally wrong. I'm one that I see one party, one, one party's platform as much more on God's side than the other party's platform. I, I feel honor bound to vote in that direction. You who are able to vote are honor bound to, I, I, I would think, to do the same thing. You got to look at it. You got to say, okay, Lord. According to everything I know about you, which of these, which of these do I need to vote my conscience on, knowing that you want the best? I hope every Christian considers things like that, no matter which way you vote. Do the best you can do to honor God with your vote. Do the best you can do to honor God with your vote. Because you answered to him for your vote. And it's not an easy answer because neither one is perfect. Neither one is Jesus. That's the best answer I got for you. Yes, sir. To not choose is choosing also. And also the, in Revelation, the lukewarm 
church example. They said you need a hot nor a cold. They seem to hold a higher accountability to that group yeah. as opposed to those that went one way or the other. Yeah. Um, somebody just pointed out, for those of you who are online, that not to choose is a choice. And, and there's some truth in that. That's actually going to come up in our next question to some degree. So, basically, I've told you, y'all are responsible before God. That's where it is. And uh, do your best because God will, you're, you're accountable to him. All right. Next question. Okay, stop me if you need to stop me as we go. Okay, next question. This question says, as Christians, we should, we should vote for the party that most aligns with what we believe. We've just kind of covered that. But, and this is where the question takes it in a different direction. But, what if the person that represents that party has done things that are wrong? And you believe you shouldn't vote for that person. Great question. Really good question. All right. I'm going to start here. Romans 3.23. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Now, some of you are going, duh. But let me point out that this is especially true of both of our presidential candidates, as well as all the other candidates on all the other ballots in, in the states. Okay. Um, an un, I think an unbiased view shows that, let's talk about presidential candidates. Both have sinned and fallen short. Both have character deficiencies. Some are more in your mainstream of, you know, man, I see his better than I see his. And others are like, well, I see his better than I see his. Okay, but character... Character still matters. Character does matter. Okay. This is, comes from an article that was written by John Piper that just came out uh, in the, about, I think, in the past week. I think it's three or four days old. John Piper is a, a pastor, a well-known pastor in the States. And this is, he built an argument that basically said uh, character really matters, and the bottom reason why it does comes from this verse in 1 Kings 14 that says God will abandon Israel because the king, Jeroboam, sinned and made Israel sin along with him. So you have the king, and the king sinned and somehow made the nation sin. Because that's what happens in leadership. People follow leaders, and where leaders go, people go. Where national leaders go, nations go. And so you have to be very careful about who your national leaders are and who your leaders are in general, right? It doesn't mean that the king twisted their arm and held everybody at sword point and says, you're going to do the same sin I'm doing. It was just an, a fact of he's the king, he's the leader, and that's what he's doing, so I'm going to do it too. Or the laws that he makes that says, well, I want everybody to 
sacrifice your children on the altar of Molech, which is one of the things that happened. And people were like, okay. And they did. It's not my fault. You know, the king told me to do it. Hmm. Yeah, you still have some culpability. Anyway, this is why it's important to have godly leaders. Character matters. Piper wrote this in the article. He said, when a leader models self-absorbed, self-exalting boastfulness, he models the most deadly behavior in the world. He points his nation to destruction, destruction of more kinds than we can imagine. And, and he's right. Look, look at this, Galatians 5.19. It says, the acts of sinful nature are obvious. And look at all the things that are listed here. Sexual immorality. That's an act of the sinful nature. Impurity. Debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft. And I think all of us look at that and like, oh yeah, witchcraft's awful. Hatred. Well, there's a lot of hatred going on right now. Do you know that that's equated with witchcraft? Hatred. Discord. Well, if you don't like what I say, you can unfriend me. It's kind of like witchcraft. It's bad. Fits of rage. Selfish ambition. Dissensions. Factions and envy. Drunkenness. Orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You don't have to do all of those to not inherit the kingdom of God. You can do any of those, and you're not worthy of inheriting the kingdom of God. So character matters. John Piper told the truth. Character's a big deal. But... Just as there is in, in some other situations, that's not the, all that we should consider in this. Again, I'm going to present what, how somebody responded to Piper. Uh, another leader, his name is Dr. Michael Brown, wrote, he's another Christian leader, and he wrote what he termed a respectful response to John Piper. And in it he said, and I... I He's in support of one particular candidate. And I, I just took the names out, okay? He said, as to our support for a candidate, we can vote for one without selling our souls to him. We can cast a ballot in his name on November 3rd while shouting from the rooftops that our hope is in the Lord, not in a man or a party. We can proclaim that Jesus is our Savior and the president is just our president. With giant fonts for Jesus is our Savior and small fonts for the president is just our president. But I wonder if future generations, Dr. Brown asks, would understand if we explained that all of these consequences that came from the bad policies from that political party we voted for. All of these bad consequences I can explain by saying, yes, one party espoused these terrible policies. But we couldn't vote for the man whose party opposed them because he was lacking character. 
That's a good argument too, isn't it? It's not easy adulting. You have to make decisions like this. It's tough. But with God's help, we can do it. So, yes, character matters. But no, character is not the end-all, be-all. Policy matters. Policy is actually part of character. What are the policies of, of these candidates? You can tell by how they voted and what they've done. How have they supported or opposed God's policies with how they voted and, and acted in their own policies? And look at the platforms. She have history. Don't forget that, that their actions, their policies are part of their character. Their platform is what they're intending to align their character with. And you've got to make a choice in it. Be sure of this, whether you're online or in here. Our hope is not in a political party, but in Jesus. Whatever our best political hopes are, they will rest on how we as Christians can raise up leaders who will put God's ways above a political party's ways. Neither the Republicans, nor the Democrats, nor the Independents have a lock on our salvation. Jesus does. Any follow-up questions? Comments? I am trying so hard how, not to tell anybody how to vote, but to say you've got to be responsible and look to God and, and you know, vote your conscience knowing God the best you can. All right, if nobody speaks up, I'm moving to the next question. We doing okay out there? Good, all right. How about out here? Doing okay? All right, all right. So, okay, so here's, here's one. Um, oh, I didn't read his last part. At times like this, says Dr. Brown, my counsel is simple. Be idealistic in terms of living out your own faith as a witness for the Lord. But be pragmatic when it comes to casting your vote. If Jesus were running for president, I would vote for him in a heartbeat. But he's got... Uh, practical. Be, but be practical when it comes to casting your vote. Make a wise choice. Okay? All right. Next question. Great question. Really good question. Are we as Christians supposed to believe in the Black Lives Matter movement? Great question. Really good. Uh, thank you all for sending me this in. All right, there are two ways to answer this. One is there's an organization out there called Black Lives Matter, and it might be referring to that. The other is there's a statement out there that says, you know what, Black Lives Matter. So let's start there. Black lives matter. That's just a statement of fact. That is a very true statement of fact. Yes, absolutely. Black lives matter. 
If you disagree, oh, my goodness, I will stay up all night doing whatever I can to, to find out why and, and help you come to a different decision. Uh, this is true. This is true. Why wouldn't black lives matter? I mean, God loves diversity. I'm about to show you a verse from the book of Revelation. And, and what it is, is uh, Revelation is the story of how John, Jesus' best friend, John the Apostle, was actually, he got to go on a field trip to heaven. And God took him up and said, I want to show you what's going on now and some things that are going to go on. And, and the whole book is the story of what happened and how it was explained to him. Okay? So while he's up there, he sees this. He says, Revelation 7, 9. He says, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Now, I want you to picture this in your head. So John is standing there. He's actually looking out into the throne room of heaven. You know how kings have throne rooms? God's is bigger than anybody's. He's got his throne there, and he, he says there's this huge multitude that no one could count. From every, and I want you to hear this in your heart, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing in heaven before the throne and in front of the Lamb, that's Jesus and they were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands. You know, they were, they, they'd been forgiven of their sins. They, they were um, uh, worshiping God. And uh, anyway, so, so he's, he's looking in uh, on this worship time. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. Into the Lamb. But let's go back to, to that thing. If God doesn't love diversity, this wouldn't be going on in heaven. But in heaven, there are people from every nation. There are people from every tribe. There, there are people from every people group. How many different shades do you think are up there? A bunch. I learned a, a song in Sunday school when I was little. I don't know if y'all have heard it. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Every shade you can think of, God delights in having before him, knowing him, seeing him. Why wouldn't black lives matter to God? It should matter to us. Remember this. God loves. He, the only reason that people are alive is that God gives them life. Every person that you pass on the street is somebody that God said, you know what? I want to create somebody like this and I want to give them life. There you go. And he loves all of us so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 
God, we're told in 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4, God, our Savior, wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. God loves everyone. God loves black lives, white lives, yellow lives, red lives, big lives, small lives. You know, God, everybody. So he sends you and me to let him know, right? That's our mandate. Great commission. So go and make disciples at everybody you meet. This is what our church says um, is part of all souls statement of faith. Uh, it, it comes from something that's much wider in the Anglican world. We believe in it also is in true for this is our statement for true inclusivity. And we say in grateful response to Christ Jesus, in whom there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, black nor white, red nor brown. I mean, we could go on and on and on. In view in, in grateful response to Christ Jesus, in whom none of these things really matter compared to knowing him. We will extend the welcome of the church to every person, regardless of race, regardless of their sex, regardless of their social or economic status. You don't have to be rich or poor to be here. Regardless of their sexual orientation, that one always trips people up. They go, <gasps> or regardless of their past behavior. In other words, here at All Souls, and across the Anglican world, we will invite everybody to come to know Jesus. Everybody, come on. You're welcome to come and to know him. Now, here's what's also true. This is how the statement continues. This is kind of like there's a however. We will oppose prejudice in ourselves and others. And renounce any false notion of inclusivity that denies that all are sinners who need to repent. Everybody's welcome, and we all need to repent. Everybody's welcome. God loves us each where we are, and he loves us all too much to let us stay there. That's what we believe. Something absolutely amazing happens when people become Christians. When their hearts, they're given a new heart. When you become a Christian, oh man, God gives you a brand new heart and it starts to, to, to be changed to be like his heart. And when that happens, when we become Christ's, our God-given differences are no longer reasons that divide us. Our God-given differences can be as simple as the shade of melanin in our skin. Some are tall, some are short, some are in the middle. Uh, some are smarter at some things, some are smarter at others. Some are richer, some are poorer. Whatever. Our God-given differences are no longer reasons that divide us. When you're in the world before Jesus, these are things that divide people. Your race divides you. Your sex divides you. Your ethnic background divides you. Your music choices divide you. The, the things that you think are beautiful divide you from the people that think other things are beautiful. Your 
your socioeconomic status divides you. In Jesus, none of that stuff. We have no need to look down on those who are different from us when we're in Jesus. There's no need to elevate men over women or to have women's rights get elevated in response to that. There's, there's no need to elevate one ethnic group over another ethnic group, Jew over Gentile or Gentiles over Jews. We have no need of that anymore. Our differences are things that God has given that bring glory to God instead of divide us before we come to God. You're all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, Paul told the Galatians. All who've been united with Christ in baptism have put on the character of Christ. Like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. You're all one. You're all united. You're brought together in Christ Jesus. All right. Am I clear on that part of it? That statement, Black Lives Matter, is absolutely yes. Why wouldn't they? Right? However, I said there were two parts to this. Here's the other part. There's the movement out there. There's the organization that has the title Black Lives Matter, BLM. Black Lives Matter as an organization is a different matter altogether. It puts itself out there as an organization that's solely concerned with true equality. But... When you look closer at the values that it's stated that it has and the things that it says that it's actually working for, it has values that are opposed to the values that we have as Christians. The organization does. For instance, they have a focus to break up the traditional nuclear family. Does anybody know what a traditional nuclear family is? Pardon? Yeah. Husband and wife, together for life, and their children. That's a nuclear family. And Black Lives Matter has come out on the record to say we're against that. We want to break that up. That shouldn't be our standard. That's God's standard. That's how God set it up. It's his desire that all children grow up with mother and father who are together for life. So, for the Black Lives Matter organization, that's a value in opposition to our Christian values. They also have a a worldview that they've stated. That in that worldview, you can see the top one, the focus to break up traditional nuclear family. The worldview that they have, the way they understand the world, is that power is the answer. That to make changes, you have to have power so you can force your views on others. That's a value in opposition to the values that we have as Christians where we understand that God has all the power. And the best access that we have to what he wants is to humble ourselves to him. The short of it is... Black Lives Matter as a statement of truth is true. Absolutely. Yes. Thumbs up. We should be behind that as Christians. Black Lives Matter, BLM as an organization, 
I do not support that organization, nor do I think that Christians can if they want to follow the Christian worldview. Just be wise in the organization's side of it. Any questions, comments? Okay. Next question, maybe our last question of the night. Again, really good question. What does the Bible say about choosing to stay silent rather than speaking up against racism and other things you know are wrong? Again, really good question. Really good question. Um, there's Some of you may, may have already thought of answers I wish that I would have thought of when it comes to answering that. Uh, I, I found, I, I would say, first of all, we're told to, to speak up. That's, that's where I'm going with this. We need to speak up. We really do. All right. So here's a few of the things that I thought of. In Ezekiel, God tells Ezekiel, hey, Ezekiel, son of man, there's somebody out here that I hear you talking online, and it may be, you may need to mute yourselves. All right. Son of man, Ezekiel, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them a warning from me. And here's the warning. When I say to a wicked man, you'll surely die, and you don't warn him or speak out to dissuade him from his evil ways in order to save his life. So when I say, hey, you're being bad, and, and I'm, I'm, you're going to die as a result and you don't warn him, that wicked man will die for his sin, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. Because you knew about it, you could have saved him, you could have talked to him, and you didn't. And so you have some responsibility for his life. You could have said something. Wow. But, it says in verse 19, if you do warn the wicked man, and he doesn't turn from his wickedness or his evil ways. He'll die for his sin. But you'll have saved yourself. Who? That's strong. That's strong. But, but basically it, it says, uh, some of you may have uh, heard about the account of what happened in Genesis. Uh, Cain and Abel. And Cain kills Abel. And God says, hey, Cain, what's up? Um, why don't you tell me where Abel is? And Cain says, huh, what, <laughs> hey, what do you mean? Am I my brother's keeper? And God's basic response, he doesn't say this specifically, but we all know. And, and if you grew up in Sunday school world, you grew up knowing, yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> We're responsible for each other. First uh, Corinthians, this is, this is interesting. Paul is talking to the church in Corinth about, man, they've got some problems. They've got people inside the church that are not doing it right and people outside the church that aren't doing it right. And he says, hey, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? It's not my business. Yeah. Folks, just a little commentary from Brooke. Why should we expect pagans to act 
like they're not pagans? Why would we expect people who aren't Christians to act like they were? We shouldn't. We don't have any expectation of that. I hope. Why would they? But for those who are on the inside, <laughs> that's who we're to judge. Are, are you not to judge those inside? I mean, if you say, "Hey, I'm in. I'm a Christian. You know, I'm following Jesus's ways," but you're doing something that's not Jesus's ways, we need to call you out on it. It's our responsibility. God takes care of those who are outside the church. It's our responsibility to let them know that God is there and God loves them and you can come to know him through Jesus. That's our responsibility. We speak up to that that point. Ephesians 5.11 Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's a good principle to live within your life bring everything into the light don't let anything stay hidden things that stay hidden that we keep in secret places those things tend to they kind of grow and they get moldy and they get they do weird things when, when we hide them bring everything out into the light it goes it's a lot easier to live life just bring it out into the light James 4.17 Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, well, that's sin for them. You know, there are lots of things for me, for you. It's like if somebody said, hey, that's a sin. It's like, whoa, I didn't know that. Okay, well, now you do. So now if you do that, it's a sin for you. Um, Revelation 2.20, God is talking to a particular church. And and he's just gone through this thing where he says, hey, church, you're doing a lot of things really well. For instance, this and this and this and this. You're doing that stuff great. Good job. And then he gets to this part. But I have this complaint against you, church. You're permitting that woman, that, that Jezebel who calls herself a prophet, you're permitting her to lead my servants astray. You're not leading them astray. She's leading them astray. But you're not doing anything about it. She teaches them to commit sexual sins. She teaches them to eat food offered to idols. Those are things I told you not to do. And you're just letting it happen. Do you think God would answer that question? Should you speak up? As yeah, you should. Yeah, you should. We should speak up. He goes on to say, by the way, I'm the God. I'm the one who searches out the thoughts and intentions of every person. I'll give each of you whatever you deserve. (laughs) Chill, right? Um, So we're all accountable. I mean, especially if you see a Christian brother or sister doing things, you know, and you know, oh, man, that's... That's not going to end well. Say something. If you've got friends who aren't Christians, oh man, love them. Help them to come to know Jesus. They're probably mixed up. And, I mean, let me tell you what. I'm, I'm a mess as a Christian. I mean, there are things that if you looked into my life, you'd be like, how are you a professional Christian? Well, I'm, I'm a person, y'all. I'm, they're they're. There's plenty of stuff I haven't gotten right, but 
by God's grace, I'll be better tomorrow than I am today. I'll grow to be more like Jesus. Now, I have that hope because I know Jesus. Before I knew Jesus, the direction I was headed on before, before I met him, I would be in a, I can't even really conceive of it. I'm so grateful to be where I am. Right? I bet a number of you feel the same way. Thank you. Um, I, I, I bet a number of you online feel the same way. Uh, we're, not, we're not where we want to be. But I tell you what, the people that don't know Jesus, they have no rudder. They have no, there's, there's no hope for them. They need to come to know him. So that's our job. When you see somebody out there that doesn't know him, especially the ones who are, man, they're getting themselves in a mess, say something. Hey, you know you don't have to live life that way, man. There's better, better ways to do it. Come on, let me introduce you to somebody I know. Help them. Change their lives. All right. So we've got, uh, you know, five to seven minutes. Um. There are a couple of late questions that came in that uh, one of them was passed on in the youth group, and it's, it's my hope that we can talk about it next week. Um, but, uh, but for tonight, I think that's all we can really cover unless you all have some follow-up questions either at home or, or here that you'd like to, uh, to bring up. So I'm at your service. Don't be shy. Okay. All right. I want y'all to know, listen, my uh, my door is open. I hope y'all know how to get in touch with me. If you have anything that you need to talk about, that's one of the reasons God has, uh, has put me here. I'll be glad to talk with you about anything. And not judge you and come down on you. And I mean, we're all, we're all uh, just trying to grow closer to Jesus. And I'll walk with you in that. Okay. All right. I'll tell you what. Let's uh, let's close in prayer. Last chance. All right. Lord be with you. Well, Father, thank you for this time. Thank you that. There's wisdom in, in your word that helps us to know you and how to follow you. Lord, again, we pray for our country. Uh, we want to be able to take our responsibility seriously when it comes to electing our officials. And Lord, have you work in that process. Uh, God, we pray for our country that... Those that don't know you would come to know you. And those who have wandered away would come back. And that we'd be a country that has as our, our character, we're people who follow after God. And so we, I, I pray you give us and work in us so that we elect leaders who will help us in that. 
and won't hinder us in that. But no matter what, you're God. And you do not fall off the throne no matter who gets elected. And we can trust you no matter what. You're good. And so, here we are, God. Come near. Draw us near to you. And help us to follow you all the days of our life. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Y'all, thank you for joining. Thank you for coming in. And um, if you missed part of this, it's going to be posted uh, very soon. I think the, the whole thing, you could probably just go to our website um, and hit the link at the top that says watch the 11 o'clock service, I think. But that's where all of these things are listed. And you can go back and watch from the beginning what happened tonight and get caught up if you missed anything. But thank you all for taking the time to join. And uh, I look forward to seeing all of you later. Thank you, Brooke. God bless you. Bye. God bless you. (laughs) Thank you, ma'am. How are those kiddos doing?